Sterling. You're listening to The Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. Today, Glenn Taylor's chiller drum of blood in the stone. The corpse takes a sleigh ride. Starring Monty Martin. In a mutual broadcasting system presentation of... Zero Hour. Brought to you by the Ford Motor Company and Lazy Boy Recliners. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. This is Jim Backus with news about the most comfortable experience of a lifetime. A Lazy Boy reclining chair. It's ideal for apartments, living rooms, dens, family rooms. Lazy Boy is as beautiful as it is comfortable. Available in any style you can imagine and in hundreds of decorator fabrics and vinyls. Make your favorite room a haven of gracious living. See your Lazy Boy dealer today. <laughs> Hurry up. He's waiting. <laughs> Run down there. <laughs> Go. Uh -uh. Yes, indeed. Hi, this is Jim Backus with a special announcement about an exciting Lazy Boy chair sale taking place at your Lazy Boy dealers now. Lazy Boy reclining chairs of your choice are available at unheard of savings for a limited time only. Treat yourself and your family to a lifetime of comfort and beauty. Once you do, you'll wonder how you ever relax without one. Get America's comfort favorite, a Lazy Boy chair now. See your Lazy Boy dealer today. <laughs> Run in there. He'll be glad to see you. Yes, he will. It was William Gilbert of the comic opera team of Gilbert and Sullivan who wrote, A policeman's lot is not a happy one. And the officer is undoubtedly unhappiest when his neighbors become suspect in a murder case he's handling. Our lawman is the sheriff's station in the little ski resort town of Putneyville, high in the Sierras. He is on first-name terms with the townspeople, and his duties are ordinarily confined to handling unruly inebriates, ticketing scofflaw motorists, and breaking up fistfights among vacationing, rambunctious young males. On this particular day, his routine was no different from that of any other, until about noon. Then his telephone rang. Sheriff's office, Bill Minden. A murder. Where? Yes, Mr. Edmonds. I'll be over within ten minutes. Five if the old chief will start in this cold weather. Man, oh man. I remember like it was only yesterday how that noonday phone call really shook me. I hadn't had a homicide on my hands since I'd left the Los Angeles Police Department. In L.A., I'd worked my way through from rookie to sergeant. Paid pretty good, but I'm a country boy at heart. I got tired of the smog and the creeps and the junkies. Went the civil service route for this job as sheriff in Putneyville. And the pay is not as good as in L.A., but the air is a whole lot better. Well, I got the jeep started without too much trouble and headed for the bottom of the ski run. Red flasher blinking and a siren whining. Over here, Sheriff. 
goodness, you're here, Sheriff. Oh, this is awful. Yeah, it's pretty spooky having a sleigh drive up with a dead man holding the reins, even if you're not sober. You mean the mayor found her way here with him dead in the sleigh? Yeah. She came to a stop right where she is now. We were sitting by the campfire. First, we thought Jim had fallen asleep. I reached up and shook his arm, and he toppled over on the seat like he is now. That's when I called you. Now, when he rolled over, I thought he was stoned. And you said his name was Jim? Jim who? Jim Stanley. He's an attorney. He lives in Los Angeles. He and his girl came up for the weekend. Where's she? Who knows? Had they been quarreling or anything? Oh, I don't know. We, we hadn't seen them since early morning. Yeah, that's right. I saw them. Jim and Elsa drove by in a sleigh about an hour before a horse brought it back. They were heading towards town, and they were fighting... Fighting like a couple of cats over a doggy bag. What were they fighting about? I don't know. All I heard was Elsa screaming, I'm leaving at once. You know, real dramatic, like Betty Davis on The Late Show. And then she yelled, Have Pa Kitty pack my clothes. See the fellow who manages the camp cottages? Yeah, that's the guy. Are you sure you called me as soon as you found out he was dead? Yes, Sheriff. The minute he toppled over, I ran to the phone in the lobby of the ski lodge. That's right. Old Bob was in there quicker than you could say whatever it is you say when you're quicker than. Well, if you did call right away, it's just possible the sleigh could have gotten back here after Mr. Stanley had sent her off on the morning train. Yeah, could be. Hmm. Well, the bullet wasn't fired up close. Uh-huh. How can you tell? The gun's fired at close range. The hole it makes is bigger around than the bullet. This one can't be more than a 38 caliber. Maybe even a 32. Well, it's possible. Oh, you don't run into too many of them. Oh, by the way, you folks know where the girlfriend of the deceased can be reached? You have Elsa's Hollywood address, haven't you, Sally? Mm-hmm. It's in my address book in the cottage. I'd like to have it, if you don't mind. And I'd appreciate it if you folks stuck around. As a matter of fact, I'm afraid I have to insist on it. Yes, of course we'll stay, Sheriff. You can always find me in the bar. <laughs> the way you're going, friend, you have to wind up under it. This altitude, too much sauce kind of makes your breath come in short pants. As my daddy used to say. Allowance <laughs> well, don't bother me any. I'm used to being high. Well, just be careful you don't pass out the snow. Pneumonia ain't any fun. <laughs> You're not going to leave poor Jim's body there in the sleigh, are you? No, ma'am. I'm going to radio for the coroner. Bill Menden calling the sheriff's station. You read me? Over. Loud and clear. Over. Uh, Luther, you better send the coroner over to the bottom of the ski lift. Looks like we've got a murder on our hands. Hello, this is Hugh Downs with a Ford Car Buyers report on a subject that car buyers are giving serious thought to. The real cost of owning a car, which Ford feels involves three considerations. What you pay for it, how much it costs to operate, and trade-in value. What about purchase price? Well, Ford believes that the 74 LTD offers car buyers who need and want the six-passenger comfort and quiet ride of a full-size car a real alternative to a big full-size car. The Ford LTD, up to 400 pounds lighter than some medium-priced full-size cars. The LTD is also sticker-priced up to $900 less. And you'll be pleasantly surprised at the luxury and driving peace of mind that the LTD offers. The 1974 LTD is the best-selling car in its price class, evidence that for many people, it's the best solution to owning a full-size car.
the well-made Ford. The closer you look, the better we look. You're 17, 18. You've graduated from high school. You want to make something of yourself. But you don't have that something to make it with, like money for four years of college. What do you do? Well, you don't need four years of college to get a good job. Today, there's a crying need for technicians in exciting fields like oceanography, electronic data processing, health service, environmental control, forestry, and many others. Technicians earn twice the salary of the average high school graduate. Some even make more than four-year college graduates. All you need is a year or two of technical training. To learn how you can become a technician, send for our free booklet. It's called 25 Technical Careers. Write Careers, Washington, D.C., 20202. If you can't afford four years of college, write Careers, Washington, D.C., 20202. And make something of yourself. Well, the coroner examined the body, and his conclusions were about the same as mine. We took the body back to town, and I got the three skiers into my office, questioned them, and made out the reports. It turned out that the sober fellow and the girl who'd met me at the ski slope were Mr. and Mrs. Robert Edmonds. The fellow that'd been a little buzz, the one they called Chuck, was Charles Dixon. Like Jim Stanley and Elsa Morgan, they were all from Los Angeles. All three of them seemed cooperative, but I wasn't getting enough information. So the next morning, I drove up to Pa Kenny's cottage camp. Figured he might know something. you here. Morning, Mr. Kenny. Are uh, any of the people from the skiing party around here this morning? One of them is, the drinking one. Where are the other two? Do you know? Mr. Edmund said he was going into Putneyville for some ski wax. Just a little while after he left, his wife said she needed some fresh air. She took a walk. Mm. Where's Mr. Dixon? In his cottage. Hey, if you come up here about the shooting last night, wouldn't do no harm talk to him. Oh, about what? That girl who's missing. There's something going on between them two. You hadn't Miss Morgan had a thing about Mr. Dixon? <laughs> if you ask me, she's got a thing about anything that wears trousers. But I didn't need glasses to see that Mr. Dixon's got hankering for her, too. You think maybe he wanted Mr. Stanley out of the way? Wouldn't put it past him. Well, I'll talk with him. But we don't want to accuse anybody until we can tie him in with the murder. So far, I haven't found a motive, and... I haven't even been able to find the gun Mr. Stanley was killed with. Hello, Sheriff. Hello, Mr. Kinney. I thought my wife might be in here. Yeah, she went for a walk right after you left. Oh. Well, I guess I'll go back out and take a look around. Ah! Holy smoke! What's that? Maybe that's Sally. Now look over there, between the driveway and the trees. Rub some of the snow on it. Yeah. Sally? Uh, uh. Sally. What happened? Oh, 
Thank heavens. What happened, Mrs. Edmonds? Did you get him, Sheriff? Who are you talking about, Mrs. Edmonds? Well, I, I was walking along here when a man came out of the underbrush at the edge of the woods. Over there. Yes? And he, he was carrying Elsa in his arms. Elsa? Are you sure? Yes. I, I recognized her clothes. I called out to him and he turned and... And then he began to come toward me. I started to run from him, but I stumbled. And I became so frightened. I, I just fainted, that's all. Miss Edmonds, did you recognize him? Yes. He's the, he's the man who did our jobs for Jim Stanley. Jim was building a vacation lodge on that acreage he owned up near the summit. That'd be Burnett. Yeah, that's his name. Jim fired him yesterday. I hear they had quite a row. I'll take a run up to Burnett's cabin and have a talk with him. I got in the Jeep and bounced my way up to Burnett's cabin. I pulled to a stop and snuck up to the front door. I stood to one side in case he might be in a shooting mood. I pushed it open. Nothing happened. I eased it open wider and looked all around the single room. Burnett sure wasn't in there. But Elsa Morgan was... And she was dead. Steve DeSadnik, chief engineer, WCVB-TV. If I were buying a TV color receiver today, it would be 100% solid state. RCA asked these TV chief engineers a question you could be asking yourself. If you were buying a color TV, would you pick a tube type set or 100% solid state? Robert Porter, KMEX-TV. I'd buy a 100% solid-state set for the low maintenance, high reliability, and low power consumption. In a nationwide survey, 95% of the TV chief engineers polled said they'd prefer to buy solid-state for their next color TV. So if you've been asking yourself the question, you know what these experts say. Otis Freeman, New York. I'd buy 100% solid state like the RCA XL100. For color, for reliability, consider the new RCAs. Everyone is an RCA XL100. 100% solid state. Don't settle for less. Where does today's girl learn to be tomorrow's woman? At the movies? On television? Helen, darling, your floors are so shiny. Yes, John. I used Brand-X polish just this morning. Brand-X. Helen, will you marry me? Somewhere between the super sex symbol of today's commercialism and TV's Brand-X image, impending womanhood is alive and well. And where is that somewhere? Wherever there are campfire girls. Reaches the girl reaching out for tomorrow and puts a promise before her. The promise of personal development, of friends and fun. The promise of womanhood. Campfire takes today's girl to tomorrow. I got Elsa Morgan's body into town. Corner took charge and I returned to my office. I was making out a report on my newest homicide when the phone rang. It's Bob Edmonds, calling me from Park Kinney's place. Sheriff, I thought you ought to know, when Chuck Dixon heard about Elsa's body being found in Burnett's cabin, he tore out of here like a madman. Said he was going to...
find the man who killed her. He has a gun with him. Sheriff, how was Elsa killed? She was shot. The coroner thinks it may be the same gun that killed Stanley. She'd been dead for some time, it appears. Then she'd been killed before Sally saw her being carried up the road? Mm-hmm. That's what I'd guess. Any idea where Burnett might be now? No, not the slightest. Well, Mr. Edmonds, thanks for calling. I guess I'll have to be a one-man dragnet and try to find him. Goodbye. Hello, Sheriff. Hello, Burnett. I was just about to go looking for you. Yeah, I figured it would. Sooner or later, come to give myself up. Oh, I ain't done nothing wrong, you understand, but I got things to tell you. Like what? Well, today I'm out working my trap line. About noon it was, and I hear shots. Two shots. I think it's hunters, so I pay no attention. I keep walking down the ravine, following my line, and pretty soon I find a revolver lying there in the snow, right by one of my traps it was, like it had been thrown there. Then what? I put the gun in my pocket and keeps walking the line. A few minutes later, I find this girl's body propped up against a snowbank. I recognize her as the girl Mr. Stanley brought with him this trip. Miss Morgan? Yeah, she's been shot. So I picks her up to take her to my cabin. And Burnett, why didn't you take her to Park Kinney's, where you knew she belonged? Oh, I stay away from there, believe me. After he fired me, Mr. Stanley threatened to make things so tough for me if I ever showed up there again. And you were taking her to your cabin when you met the other woman, Mrs. Edmonds, near the woods? Yeah, that's right. I tried to stop her, tell her what happened. But she spooked and run away from me. So I keep on walking to my cabin, leave the girl there, come down here to the village to tell you about it. And where's the gun now, Burnett? Still in my pocket. There you are, Sheriff. Thanks. Two rounds fired. How about that row you had with Mr. Stanley when he fired you? Well, he says I stole his girl's diamond ring. Naturally, I call him a big liar. That's when he got mad and fired me. He was unfair. And this is the gun you found? Yeah, just like I told you. Well, Burnett, I'm going to have to hold you in jail here. At least until I find what I'm looking for. You see, Mr. Stanley was also shot with a thirty-two caliber gun. And this just might be it. <laughs> Thirty-two caliber pistol in custody, and the bullets the coroner took out of both Jim Stanley and Elsa Morgan were thirty-twos. Now, the only person so far who was tied in with the gun was Burnett, and I had him under wraps. I was sitting at my desk the next day, scratching my head over what my next move would be, when a Los Angeles call came in. Sheriff Minden speaking. Yeah. Oh, wait, just a second. Let me write that down. Uh-huh. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. That fits like a peg in a cribbage board. Okay, thanks. Maybe I can return the favor sometime. I asked Pa Kenny to have you folks gather here because I have something I want to tell all of you. I hope you don't mind my standing with my back to the fireplace while I talk to you. The seat on that Jeep's mighty cold these mornings. <laughs> How are you feeling this morning, Mr. Dixon? Well, 
Well, I'm a disaster area. Even my hangover's got a hangover. He ought to be in jail, Sheriff. He took a couple of shots at me yesterday afternoon. Well, I mistook you for that Burnett guy, the one who killed Elsa. Now, for your information, Mr. Dixon, and the rest of you, Burnett didn't kill Miss Morgan. Uh, but we heard you jailed him last night. Oh, I did, but I'm releasing him today. Why? Oh, by the way, Sheriff, you know, it turns out Burnett didn't steal that diamond ring. The chambermaid found it under the chest of drawers. Oh, that's good. Now then, I'd like to brief you folks on a couple of things. Now, first of all, witnesses tell me that at the time Mr. Stanley was killed, Mr. Dixon was sitting by that campfire. Then later, he was joined by Mr. and Mrs. Edmonds. That's right. Now, we, we just stuck our skis in the snow and seated ourselves when the sleigh pulled up. Well, that means that you, Mr. Dixon, were the last person to see Mr. Stanley and Miss Morgan alive. You know, I suspected Burnett because at first I didn't believe his story that he just found the murder weapon. The gun that killed Jim? And Miss Morgan. I checked with the Los Angeles police and found it was registered to Mr. Edmonds. I wondered what had become of my gun. Somebody must have stolen it. I also had the LAPD search Miss Morgan's apartment. In a diary they found, she'd written that Mr. Edmonds had introduced her to Mr. Stanley. That's right, I did. So what? So, according to her diary, she'd worked as a call girl. Mr. Edmonds knew this, and he wanted her to wangle Stanley into marrying her. That's ridiculous. Why would I want to do that? Simple, Mr. Edmonds. Once they were married, you were going to blackmail Mr. Stanley. Make him pay to keep you from revealing what she was. You'll have a hard time proving your accusations, you big hick. Well, now, I don't think so. You forgot to mention that there was nearly half an hour on the morning of the murder when you were separated from your wife, and she didn't know where you were. Mom, I I didn't mean to say anything, but, but he... Asked me. I... You were just a mite too quick to suggest the bullet that went through Mr. Stanley's head was a thirty-two. You can't prove that either. You forget Mr. Dixon was there, as well as me. Yeah, and I was sober enough to remember that, Bob. Believe me. Mr. Edmonds, <sighs> looks like you're under arrest. You probably know all about Ford pickups, how they work like a truck, ride like a car, how they've got Ford's famous twin I-beam front suspension with front disc brake standard, and a choice of an economical 6 or 3 V8s. But maybe you didn't know about Ford's new supercab. Supercab's the only two-door pickup that's roomy enough for a full back seat. I didn't know that. Well, Ford's new supercab pickup makes a big difference in capacity to carry people or things. You can do most anything with it. Order Supercab with an optional bench seat that's five and a half feet wide. That's room enough for a family of six to ride in sedan-like comfort. And the bench seat folds flat to make a load floor. I didn't know that. Or get two facing jump seats optional. They fold out of the way for cargo. Or order Supercab with no rear seats at all. Then you get a full 44 cubic feet of storage space. I didn't know that either. Ford's new Supercab. It's news even to people who thought they knew all about Ford pickups. See it now at your local Ford dealer. I'm Rod Serling. Close your eyes. Exercise your imagination. And join us again on our next presentation of The Zero Hour. But Corpse Takes a Sleigh Ride is an original radio drama adapted by Glenn Hall Taylor. Monty Markham was heard as Bill Minden. Featured in the cast were Olin Soul, Betty Lou Gerson, Jerry Hausner, and Tyler McVeigh. Zero Hour, created by J.M. Colas, directed by Don Hills, is produced in Hollywood for the Mutual Broadcasting System by Radio Productions Incorporated. Music is composed and conducted by Stanley D. Hoffman, Rochelle Sherman, associate producer. 
This has been a presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System.